Good morning, Cornerstone. Good morning, all you beautifully maskless people. And those of you wearing masks, you are beautiful as well. I want to start off with, isn't it amazing to be in the presence of God and how he surprises us? And I'm so grateful for the musicians and the singers that I get to sing and play with. And the Lord just keeps bringing us uh, new ones all the time. Gabriel, first week here, just drops the presence of God on us. Thank you. For, thank you for that. Matthew, always a pleasure. Zach, nice hat. One of the things I want to do before I begin is I want to pray. Because right now, as we are speaking, we have a caravan of high schoolers that are heading to Missouri heading to Missouri uh, to go to their camp. And they have been so excited. Who has a high schooler here? Can I get a witness? Two things. One, praise God they get to go to camp. Praise God they are going to camp. (laughs) So this is so great because they have been so excited for this. And they're on their way there. So what I want to do is an eyes open blessing. So can we just speak, Lord, we pray your protection. Uh, your, as we say, traveling mercies over them. Lord, lead and guide them. May they encounter you. May they have this incredible experience. And Lord, I ask that in this week, man, I'm emotional today. I'm sorry. But you may return the years the locust has stolen. This last couple, this last year and a half has been tough on these kids. I pray that this week they encounter you so much that it replenishes what was taken away. Do all you want to do, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Also, can I get another witness that we weren't joking when we told you we were going to build a new building? I know for two years, we've been telling you about Dream Boulder. It got so bad that I thought it was like Brian was just, it was an allegory of like, we're, oh, we're the, it's not a place. We're going to build the people of God. I see. No, he literally meant we're going to build a building. And they tore down half of it this last week. Yeah. Yeah. And put a hole in the roof and broke the air condition, which is why we are so hot in here. But you know what? It's worth the trials. Someday, future generations, 60 years from now, are going to sit in that room when we're long dead and it's finished. (laughs) And we will dream bolder. But I'm excited for that, and we're excited to be in this series. So one of the things is I'm going to continue. Last week, Gene kicked us off in our series of Upside Down Kingdom, talking about the principles of the kingdom of God, and I'm going to continue with that today. And what I want to focus on today is favor over approval, seeking the favor of God over the approval of others. And so when I say favor, I'm sure you have a lot of baggage that comes with this. Favorite, favor may mean favorite, like God likes some people better than others. Or it may mean like this superpower that everything you do uh, turns out great, like your Midas touch, and that God makes some people where everything is successful. And that is not what I am talking about at all. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a definition of favor So that while you're listening to what I'm saying, you're not thinking of those other things. But the definition of favor in both Hebrew and Greek, the Greek word and the Hebrew words for this, favor is found from Genesis through Revelation over and over and over again. It's talking about seeking the favor of God, experiencing the favor of God, having the favor of God, being in favor with God. And what it means is something beautiful. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need new words to give fresh insight I hear grace, and I love the word grace, but I've heard grace so often that sometimes it's lost its punch. Or obedience. 
But as I'm looking to this, this word favor has a freshness to it. And this is what it means. Favor is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, loving kindness, goodwill. Favor is the merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence upon us and turns us to Jesus, strengthens us, increases us, and helps us to exercise Christian virtues. I love this idea of favor, that the favor of God is the delight of God. And it is not something that we have to seek, but it's something that we receive. You okay with that definition? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are here. And I ask that you will guide my words and that you will not allow me to cloud this. But I have to confess, I don't even know how to articulate it because you're doing something in me and changing me to see the deep desire to seek the favor of God over the approval of others. I pray that you will do what only you can do. What's of me will be forgotten. What's of you will stay. In Jesus' name, amen. As I read the Gospels, Jesus is absolutely unpredictable in his behavior. Just when you think you've nailed him down on what he's going to do, he's like, gotcha, and he does something different. You think he's going to go right, he goes left. You think he's going to leave, he stays. He's constantly doing things that are counterintuitive. And one of the things that I want us to look at is, if we are to live our lives in the upside-down kingdom, which is the kingdom of God, Jesus shows us an example of what the behavior looks like. And honestly, at times, it seems really unpredictable and counterintuitive to what my culture and what I am used to. But one thing about Jesus is all of Jesus' actions, his teaching, and his behavior throughout the Gospels, it, has, it is always predictably in line with the favor of his Father. I believe that the core mission and the core uh, motivation of Jesus, his, his mission to come and to save humanity, to bring reconciliation between uh, humanity to God and God to humanity, that's his mission. But his core motivation was seeking the favor of his Father. And that everything he did flowed from that point. And so his behavior sometimes looks really odd because my behavior is not seeking the favor of God. It is oftentimes seeking the approval of others. And so I will look and look to a crowd to go, what do I need to do to receive your approval? We live by likes. We live by polls. Our politics are shaped by polls. Our restaurants are shaped by reviews. We live through a perpetual culture of saying, what is the approval of everyone else? And then I will be that. Where Jesus does the opposite. He says, I seek the favor of my Father, and I live from that very point. So we drop in to the Gospel of Luke. And in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, 42, Jesus has been born. He has been confirmed, in the, presented in the temple at the age of 2. And now we fast forward to the age of 12. And so we got 12 years going on in this one chapter. It says, when he, Jesus, was 12 years old, they, Mary and Joseph, went up to... The festival, according to the custom, and after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. 
After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And he grew in wisdom and favor, in wisdom and, in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. This is some unpredictable behavior. Because we either have the Messiah following his father or an adolescent, pre-adolescent, really acting out. Can you imagine this scene, though? You're with Mary and Joseph, and I love the fact that it says, as was their custom. They went and did this trip every year. So for 11 years, they left their home and went to Jerusalem and came back. And guess who they brought home with them? Jesus. Except the 12th year. Could you imagine being Mary and Joseph? They're a day's journey walking. Hey, Mary, have you seen the Messiah? The Messiah? Our, our, yeah, the Messiah, our son. No, Joseph, I thought he was you. Messiah's not with me. I thought he was you. Are you serious? And they go ask the relatives. And could you imagine Mary and Joseph there? We had one job to do, to protect and provide for the Messiah. Israel has been waiting for this for all of its life, and we lost the Messiah, and he's not even 13 yet. They've lost him. They don't know where he is at all. And they're a day's journey away. Like, could you imagine? I mean, I couldn't imagine walking for a day, but a car ride? I might have just said if one of my kids, I left them behind, I was like, well, hope it goes well for them. I'll Venmo you. But I ain't driving back. So they drive, they, they walk back, and they go back into Jerusalem, and they begin to look for him. And Jesus is 12 years old, and Luke doesn't mess around when he's giving details. When Luke's very detail-oriented. And he wants us to know that Mary and Joseph and the crew had gone there every year. And he also wants us to know that Jesus is 12 years old. And this is important. Because 12 years old in the life of a Jewish young man is an emerging year. And they're moving from being under the covenant of their parents to after this time when they are confirmed, they move to being under the covenant of God. And so no longer are they under the coverage of their parents. But after 12, they are now under the covering of God. The timing is amazing. So when Jesus is like, why were you looking for me? You knew where I'd be. I'm 12. This is where I'm supposed to be. But we go in this place, and we see that Jesus at 12 goes to the place, and I love what happens because his behavior is so counterintuitive all through this. And the first thing that happens is Jesus stays when they leave. That one of the principles of the upside-down kingdom is when others leave, we stay. And so Mary and Joseph head on home. It's over. Festival's over. And Jesus stays in Jerusalem, and he goes into the temple. And this is where the next behavior is so amazing. He goes into the temple, and if I was a 12-year-old Messiah, I'll just pretend like I'm a 12-year-old Messiah. All of humanity, all of creation has been waiting for this moment, and I am now able to enter into the temple. I'm going into the temple. I'm kicking the door open, and I'm like, hey, hey, I'm here. You've been all waiting for me. It's time to listen to what I have to say. That's not Jesus' behavior at all. 
When others leave, he stays. And then it says that he sat at the feet of the teachers. Crisscross applesauce sitting at the feet of the teachers. He didn't come in bold, demanding. But as these rabbis were speaking, he takes this humble position in the temple and he just sits at the feet of the teachers quietly. And he begins to listen. Again, if I'm a 12-year-old Messiah, I'm doing a lot of talking. Because I was there when the Spirit hovered over the waters of creation and the Father spoke the word and that word was me and caused everything to happen. And I don't really need to hear what you have to say. (laughs) But what Jesus does is he stays when others leave. And then he sits at the feet of the teachers in this counterintuitive position and it says he listened to them. He didn't demand. He didn't give a mission statement. He didn't hand out his digital pack of, of saying, here's, you know, here's my Twitter account, here's my Snapchat, you guys are going to want to follow me. Not at all. He didn't do anything. He just sits there and he listens. And then the next thing is he begins to just ask questions. And again, re- be reminded that this is the Messiah that all of creation has been waiting for. And many of the Jews believed that the Messiah would ride in like a mighty warrior and he would kick the doors down and he would go into the gates of Jerusalem, and he would take back for the people, and he would restore the kingdom of Israel like it was at the time of David and Solomon, and he would be this victorious Messiah. Instead, it's a 12-year-old boy who ditches his parents, sits at the feet of the teachers, listens, and asks them questions. It says that as he's there, he asks them questions. The teachers become amazed. They're amazed at what he's saying. What wisdom this child has. And there's conversations about how wise and how knowing Jesus is. And then the scene changes because, dude, your mom's here. (laughs) Don't look now. But she is not happy. And Mary, I love, Mary comes in. She's just like, you know she's throwing some signs. There's things going on. There's a sass just coming with her. And Mary comes in. Right into the room where there's all these men teachers. That's inappropriate. That's culturally, you don't do that. But you don't mess with Mama Bear, do you? Like, culture goes out the window when Mama Bear is looking for one of her kids, especially when he's the Messiah and she lost him. So she comes in, and it says that she's distressed. We know what that means. I've seen my wife, when she's upset with the kids, and distressed means a lot of other things. It's laced. Ooh, she was distressed. But interwoven in her distress is that relief. I've lost my kids before in Dick's Sporting Goods in the catacombs of the shoe department, like back in where there's like, you know, they hide the relics and there's other things that are going on. And it's terrifying. And when you finally find the child, it is equal parts rage and relief. And that's what Mary had. She busts in equal parts rage and relief for three days She has lost Jesus. Sit with that just for a second. It's not like, I can't find my kid 15 minutes later. Three days, no contact. 12-year-old, loose in Jerusalem. And then what we see here is the whole tone begins to shift. 
Because Jesus stayed when others left. Jesus sat when others stood. Jesus listened when others talked. He asked questions when others made statements. But it all begins to make sense right here when Mary barges in and she picks a fight with Jesus. (laughs) It's not like, so glad to see you. First words, picks a fight with Jesus. She says, son, why have you treated us like this? She's handing out judgment. I mean, that is just like, boom. And then your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Joseph's like, don't get me involved with this. This is your mother. And Jesus does not get defensive in his response. And this is another kingdom principle. He doesn't get defensive. He explains the situation and diffuses it completely. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? And in that moment, Mary has to go, I'm furious, and you're right. And Jesus doesn't use his, his, his seeking his father's favor as a weapon, but he does it in such a way, just says, Mom, you need to understand. Let me explain this to you. I'm not going to be defensive about why I did what I did, but I had to seek my father's favor over seeking your approval. We probably could have communicated a little better than that. We'll talk about that later. But I have to seek my father's favor over everything. And there are times when I will seek my father's favor, which is his delight, his joy, his kindness, his grace, his purpose, his holy influence in my life. I have to seek that first above everything. And it may make my behavior look really weird to you, but that's my motivation for everything I do. And there are times, and it's going to hurt, mom, but I have to do that over your approval. Because this is most important in my life. Jesus' motivation is crystal clear. Behavior weird. Motivation clear. And it shows us why. We go on and we see that it, this, the scene shifts. Because again, he does something that I wouldn't do if I'm the 12-year-old Messiah. And this is the reason I wasn't the Messiah at 12, year old, 12 years old. He leaves with his mom. The greatest thinkers in Jerusalem are astounded with him. They're impressed. They're like, oh, my word, who is this prodigy? What is this prophet that is on the scene? We haven't seen someone like this. And Jesus is like, bye, guys. Got to go with my mom and leaves. Again, counterintuitive to just head out to go. It was never about your applause or your approval. I just wanted to be in the presence of my father and experience his delight. And now I got to go back with my mom. And it says that he leaves, and he says he submits to his parents. And this is where it is amazing, but it says that he grows in wisdom and in stature, so intellect, in size, and then my favorite part, and in the favor with God. I just sit with that for a while, because it's not the favor of God. It's the favor with God. Because what it is talking about is favor is a relational connection. Does that make sense? Favor is relational. That what he was seeking was connection with his father. And when there is connection with the father, there was the father's delight, joy, peace, all those things I've listed off multiple times. But it was his favor with God. When we seek the favor of God over the approval of others, what we are doing is we are seeking the connection with God over everything else. And that favor is satisfying. That favor is invigorating. That favor is the fuel of life. And it motivates everything we do. 
And we see that Jesus was living from a place of favor, not for the approval of man, even his parents. There's two types of favor that I see in here. And I'll be brief on this because I know it's hot. The first one is unmerited favor. This is the absolute free gift of God. The free grace, the free mercy, the free acceptance, the free bringing in and and redemption, the free um, love, everything you could say, all of that is free, freely given from God to. And actually, in the Greek word there, the connotations, as you look to it, it says from a superior Favor is something that is given from a superior to an inferior. And so it is bestowed upon. And so favor is bestowed. So we have unmerited favor, which means because of Jesus, all of us enter into this favor with God, that we have this love, this acceptance, it's freely given. And then there's something that I want to call increasing favor. And increasing favor is, comes from this. It is the growing in that connection of God. And the word increasing here in the Greek, um, it's a word used for forging metal, like when someone's making a sword. And it's that, uh, the increasing is actually when you hammer the metal so much that it actually lengthens it. And so it's hammering things out. Does that make sense? You with me? A lot of forgers in here. Great forging here in Boulder. But one of the things that I love about this is that there is, there is this hammering out between. And so how does the favor work in our lives? We receive the unmerited favor of God, but there's also this hammering out between God and, between us and God to be able to grow in what that favor looks like in our lives. And so it increases through heat and tension and circumstances, and it grows. And I love the fact that it literally means to hammer it out between us and God. How do you grow in the favor of God? That's between you and him. You guys are going to have to hammer that out. You receive the unmerited, and you grow in the other. Now, as I kind of land the plane on this and share a few more other things, so Matt and Krug, let's get ready. One of the things is the favor that I've described, seeking that, is very different from approval. And even in the Greek, in the language, it's very different between favor and approval. We see in Galatians, the Apostle Paul He is uh, talking to the church, and he writes this. He says, do I seek the approval of man, or do I seek the approval of God? Because if I seek the approval of man, I am not a bondservant with Jesus. The word for approval here is the word to persuade, to convince. And I love that because it has manipulative connotations. For us to seek the approval of man, we must manipulate them to get what we need. For us to seek the favor of God... We step into what's already ours. Does that make sense? Is that the difference? Is it beautiful? I spend so much of my stinking life chasing around, trying to persuade everyone to get what I want when God already extends it and says, you can have my delight, my joy, my favor. It's right here. It's for you. Just step into this connection. Because favor is about connection where approval is about convincing. One is abundant, and it says that his favor is everlasting. The other one is scarcity, and it is fickle and ends the moment that it happens. And we spend so much of our lives trying to get the approval and the applause of others when God holds out and says, I have the satisfying favor that you need. 
And I love that it's a different word, favor. I don't use that in my everyday language. But I love the fact that in the upside-down kingdom, when Jesus says, follow me, in some ways he's saying, behave like me. Do what I do. Jesus' chief motivation, I would go to the mat with, his chief motivation was seeking the favor of his father. His mission was to redeem humanity. The motivation was to please his father. And not to get the approval of the father because God's like the distant parent, which is like, if you don't win the trophy, I'm not going to talk to you. Not at all. Jesus so enjoyed the connection and the delight and the relationship with his father that it motivated him over everything else to experience that. I do not have that. But I got a taste of it this week reading this. And I wish I could convey what's going on inside. Like, I don't have the words. But there's something of this reworking the way we live our lives, the way we love those around us, the way we do our work, the way we care for people, the way we move through making decisions and express our desires, that the motivation of our lives goes the fact that God is absolutely crazy in love with you and goes to every extent to be in relationship with you. And he says, will you spend your life seeking my favor, which is my delight in you, instead of looking at these other places? One is a river that is rushing and moving and is live. The other one is a cistern that we're constantly trying to fill with water from other people. And he's saying, I have this living water that is my favor. Will you step into it? I caught a glimpse of that two weeks ago. Because like I said, and I've confessed it before, and I think I'm not alone, I'm an approval addict. Nobody that stands on a stage can honestly say that they don't have some approval issues. There's, it's wrapped up and it's a confusing thing. And there's times where I spend my time looking around at a crowd to see how am I to respond so that I gain the most attention, get the most likes, that the reviews are good, that the thumbs up. And that's not, so don't say nice things to me after. That's not what I'm fishing for. I'm just making a confession. I have a feeling, say nice things to me after, actually. I ha- <laughs> It'd be like, not your best work. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so um, keep that to yourself. But one of the things is, is, I think I'm not alone here, that many of us, if we are honest, our motivating factor of life is to get the approval of others. And we behave in line with that. What Jesus shows us is there a different way to have a different motivation yields a different behavior. God surprised me with his favor two weeks ago. I was at church, and I wasn't leading or preaching or doing anything. And I was in the back causing havoc for the media people, and they were wishing I wasn't there. And, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit via Carrie Casada comes up to me and gives me one of these, and I was, uh-oh, what have I, my first thought is, what have I done? He says, come here, I want you to see something. And so we cross the courtyard, and we go down into the children's wing. She opens up the door, and I walk in, and the kids are worshiping. And these are the little ones. And on stage is Amy Tinklevsky and Abrier. They're playing their instruments. But right beside them is Ruby Casada on the piano. And Stella's singing. And a whole other little kids are leading worship. 
And then looking around, these kids with their masks half on, you know, just like kids, it's just looking like, like, smells like a foot in there. It's just the most beautiful thing, like, and these kids are worshiping, and some have watched their parents on how you raise your hands, and other kids are sitting in chairs, and I'm looking, and I went, oh, my word. And I felt the favor of God. And there were moments, I confess, when I'm like, Lord, why are my songs not more famous, and why am I not on big stages, and why, you know, those stupid stuff. But he brought, and he's like, come here. Let me show you the principles of the upside-down kingdom. Let me show you a dank basement filled with a generation who absolutely worships me. And guess what, Aaron? I've allowed you to love, lead, and serve this community. That's better than Red Rocks. That's better than big stages. And he said, this is what my favor looks like. And I left so satisfied. I left just a wreck. Just looking and seeing, wow, God, I caught a glimpse of your delight, your pleasure, your kindness, your peace, your joy. I caught a glimpse of the holy influence working in and through me and in and through others. And I caught a glimpse of the favor of God. And the motivation wasn't to seek more approval from others. It was just to seek the Father and say, okay, this is what I want to live for. I want to waste my life for this. The motivation, I'm, I brought you guys up way too early. I totally forgot. Like, I totally gene bindered you guys. <laughs> My apologies. I just realized we're all here. Um, why don't you start finger picking something nice? Well, I'm here. This is your note. Anyways, as I wrap this up, I promise. One of the things I think is I want to invite you of a beautiful migration. I want to invite you to step into the kingdom of God. And I want to invite you to say, I'm turning from living my life seeking the approval of others. And I will live my life seeking the favor of my Father. Because it's freely given. And it's abundant. And it says he, he prepares a table before us. And he keeps filling our cup overflow. And he's like, whoa, 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 I haven't even drank enough. He's like, oh, just keep more and more, making a hot mess of everything. He said, that's my favor. There's abundant. There's way more than enough, and it's for you. So here's what I want to do, and I'm with you on this. I want to invite you into a time of confession. It is a symbol of your confession, just placing your palms towards the ground and saying, Lord, I have lived my life seeking the approval of others, and it has manifested in every area. And Jesus, I'm sorry. Spirit, I'm sorry. Father, I'm, I'm sorry. That's not how it was meant to be. But that has been how I've lived my life. Stay in this moment of confession. It's a sweetness. Now invite you to turn your hands, palms up, and to say, Lord, I receive your grace. 
will you fill my life with your favor? Will you fill me with the courage to seek your favor, your delight, your purpose, your joy, your pleasure, your love, your kindness, your holy influence? And may that permeate every fabric of my being. And may I live with that vision and those virtues. And Lord, though it may cost me at times the approval of others, it fills me with more than I could ever lose. So I bless you, friends. I bless you with the courage to live a life of adventure. Seeking the favor of God. Lord, may you do all you want to do. And I pray that this goes down deep into the soil of their souls, my soul, and that this becomes something that permeates and grows fruit. And Lord, I pray that you go past the words I've spoken. And may your word not return void. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen.